The Old Testament reading for the 17th Sunday after Pentecost comes from Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and again chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and content arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. I will take my stand at my watch post, and station myself on the tower, and look out to see what he will say to me, and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle reading comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father of Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter. Jesus said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me, and dress properly, and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our meditation this morning is from St. Paul's second letter to the pastor, Timothy. In this personal letter, we find the last words of Paul that we have. The last words before his death. He is in Rome. He is in prison. This is uh, the second imprisonment there in Rome. And you'll recall how he got there, that there had been uh, a problem uh, back at the temple in Israel, and uh, the Jews had assumed that he had brought Gentiles into the temple, and there was this great stir, and uh, a riot was beginning, and so Paul was taken into custody by the Romans, and he was... Uh, going to stand trial there. Uh, the Jews were bringing charges against him in that. Uh, so he was being held there. He was held for two years without his case being adjudicated, without it being completed. And after two years, Paul, you re you'll remember, he said, this is going nowhere. He said, I appeal to Caesar. And so then they shipped him off to Rome. And he was in Rome there for a couple of years, uh, awaiting trial, uh, having some hearings. Uh, in, in one of his letters, we hear that the hearings seem to have gone well. Uh, and then later on, uh, it's, it's assumed he was released from that imprisonment. Somewhere around 60 or 61 AD, Paul was released. And then he continued his missionary work there in Rome and elsewhere. Some believe that he made it as far as Spain. But he's there in Rome, and in A.D. 64, you might recall, there is a catastrophic fire in Rome, a fire that many believe Nero uh, set himself. The fire burned for six days, and it burned uh, about three-quarters of the city 
of Rome to the ground. Nero put the blame on the Christians. The Christians were already a group that was somewhat despised in the community. They were deemed to be a lower class of people. Uh, they were accused of scandalous rituals, accused of cannibalism, because uh, people didn't understand this idea of eating the body and blood of the Lord. They were also ridiculed because they refused to acknowledge that the emperor was a god. And you've probably heard this before, this idea of uh, just uh, burn a little incense, right? Just burn a pinch of incense. This is something that's in the, the old writings that we have. We know this from uh, non-Christian historians even. This idea of burning a little pinch of incense to the god, whatever emperor you know, was in power at the time, to Nero or whatever the emperor was, this would uh, show that you actually acknowledged that he was a god. And the Christians wouldn't do this would not acknowledge that. And so after the fire, a great persecution breaks out against the church, against the Christians. Uh, one of the non-Christian uh, historians that we have is named Tacitus. Uh, he was a historian. He was also a Roman senator. And he lived from uh, 54 AD to 117 AD, right during this time. And he writes this, he writes that many Christians were arrested during this persecution and not only were they arrested but then they were tortured so that they would give up the names of other Christians so that they could be arrested. And so Tacitus says that in this way many were arrested, many were killed and he describes in some horrific ways they were sometimes tied up in the hides of animals and had wild dogs set upon them. Many were nailed to crosses and crucified. Some were wrapped alive in clothing that had been dipped in tar, tied on a post and used as a light. Nero's garden it is said, was lit up this way. And while the Christians were being burned alive like that, he would have a circus. He would have entertainment there in his garden for people. Tacitus remarks that even though these Christians were obviously guilty, still the people began to pity them because they were being killed on the account of the fierceness of one man, Nero. And it's under this terrible persecution of Christians that Paul is again arrested for preaching the gospel and thrown into a Roman dungeon. And Paul knows that his time is short. His martyrdom is going to come soon. And here he writes his second letter to Timothy. He writes, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, 
grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Talk about control. Well, I know in Paul's day there, it was chaos. Chaos for the Christians. Everything is out of control. There's a lot to be afraid of. If a Christian is questioned by the Roman authorities and they admit that they are a follower of Christ, that God is God, that the emperor is not, if they simply admit that there is a higher power than Rome, it means chains, it means torture, it means imprisonment, and it means death. And in light of these persecutions, some who had professed to follow Jesus no longer did so. Some did burn incense to the emperor. It was a way to protect oneself, to keep oneself out of prison, to keep oneself alive and their family alive as well. But what do we find in Paul's letter? What is his mood in this chaos? Although there's much to be afraid of, we find Paul reminding Timothy that God has given us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Paul encourages Timothy to continue to preach the gospel. Paul, who has been arrested for this very purpose, encourages Timothy to continue, even though it's a dangerous time to speak about Jesus. Paul says, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. We know Paul, of course, had experienced many hardships before the stints in prison. He, hunger and cold and beatings, stoning, shipwreck, humiliation, ridicule. But Paul does not hide the fact that he is a Christian. He does not find his faith to be a source of embarrassment but of comfort because Paul is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Years before this, he had written to the Christians in Rome, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. We find ourselves today to be increasingly out of step with society because society is increasingly out of step with the truth and the morality of the Bible. 
Because if you don't believe in evolution, if you don't believe that God is a myth, if you believe what the Bible says, that God created the universe in the span of six days out of nothing, then you are labeled unintelligent and a science denier. If you refuse to join in the lewd conversations at work or at school, or you don't laugh with the crowd at off-color jokes, then you're called strange and you're ridiculed. If you won't agree with politically correct thought that marriage can be between two people of the same sex, or that a person's gender is somehow different from their biological sex, and that their gender can be altered at will. If you don't agree that aborting a baby is simply a couple's choice, then you're closed-minded and unloving. If you won't accept that there are many paths to God and instead profess that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, then you're intolerant and judgmental. Marriage and family are no longer the building blocks of a strong society, but are somehow redefinable without any unexpected harmful effects. Young children in school today are being taught things that would have once been seen as completely inappropriate for their age. And the world and the devil would like nothing more than to make us ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, ashamed to be called Christian. They would like us to think that life for us would somehow be better if we would keep our relationship with Jesus a secret. These enemies of the gospel want us to put our light under a bushel basket. And we can look around at the world today and we can point out many things and say things are really, really bad and getting worse. But you know what? <laughs> things have always been really bad and getting worse. There is truly nothing new under the sun. But God has given us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And we Christians have been given the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit points us to the one who has overcome the world. He points us to our Redeemer. The Holy Spirit reminds us that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And he tells us through the word that in the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross, our sins are completely washed away. He tells us that God is not ashamed to call us his children. And so we are not ashamed of Jesus. We are not ashamed of the gospel. And Paul's words to Timothy this morning encourage us too. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, 
which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. And of course, Paul is not the only one who has suffered for the gospel. There have been many, the apostles certainly, many Christians throughout the ages. Some people perhaps that we even know have suffered for the work of the gospel. One of the famous names that you'll probably recall is Richard Warmbrand. And he was a successful stockbroker in Romania in the 1930s. He was doing very well. He had a great life. And then he encountered the gospel in 1938. And he and his wife, Sabina, became followers of Jesus. And he left his job and he was ordained into the Anglican Church. And when World War II broke out, the couple would minister to people in the bomb shelters. And he would also minister to the occupying German army. Richard and Sabina were repeatedly arrested and beaten, but they continued their witness of God's love for sinners. In 1945, the Romanian communists seized power, and a, a million Russian troops poured into the country. Wormbrand was now a Lutheran pastor, and he continued to minister to his fellow Romanians and also to the Russian soldiers who were very hungry to hear God's word. In 1948, Richard Warmbrand was arrested as he walked to the church. And he was beaten and he was tortured by the secret police. He was told over and over again that communism was good and that there is no God. He was placed in solitary confinement. After eight and a half years, he was released and found that Sabina had also spent three years in a labor camp. He was ordered, of course, never to preach again. But Pastor Warmbrand was not ashamed of the gospel, and he continued to preach about Jesus and about his love. Three years later, he was arrested again, and this time he spent another five years at the hands of the secret police. Upon his release and through the help and urging of others, the Wormbrand family came to the U.S. where they continued their ministry to the underground church and began what has now become the Voice of the Martyrs ministry. And Richard Wormbrand will tell you that the communists took away everything he had, his home, his family, his health, and nearly his life. But they could not take away his faith. They could not destroy, they could not snuff out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Richard and Sabina and you and I, we have all believed in Jesus Christ. 
the one who set aside everything for us. He laid aside his glory, his honor, his power, and he became a human being so that he could stand in for you and me and Paul and Richard and Sabina so that our sins could be laid on him as the atoning sacrifice so that he could endure the torture of crucifixion at the hands of the Romans. A torture, a condemnation, a death that we deserved. Jesus destroyed the chains of death and hell that had bound us and he set us free for eternity. He abolished death and brought us life and immortality. And that is the gospel. Paul faces his impending death in prison and he writes, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. We are not ashamed of the gospel. We are not ashamed of our faith because we too know whom we have believed. He is the God who loves us. He is the Son of God who gave his life for us. He is the Holy Spirit who now guards the good deposit of the gospel, the faith entrusted to us. May we see beyond the trappings, beyond the entrapments of this life and cling to the faith, to the enduring truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may our lives be witnesses to others of his love and his mercy. And may we, by the power of the Holy Spirit within us, unashamedly tell others about Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. In his name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.